Are you an Enneagram coach or an organization that regularly uses the Enneagram? Do you find it confusing trying to keep track of everyone's tests and their scores and who you've sent what? Crosspoint Ministry has created a simple and optimized solution with their new coaching dashboard. With the coaching dashboard, you can invite people to take the WEPS test in Crosspoint's clean and easy-to-read format and immediately view and track their results. No emails, no hassle, everything in one place. And you can purchase tests at a discounted rate. To find out more about Crosspoint's coaching dashboard, just go to crosspointministry.com slash Enneacast. This is an indispensable tool for anyone who works with the Enneagram. Again, go to crosspointministry.com slash Enneacast and sign up today. What's the thing that we avoid? What's the thing that each type makes a concerted effort not to do that thing? And when you're accused of the very thing that you so intentionally avoid, there's always a fight. There's always a reaction. This is a show about self-discovery. About understanding ourselves. About looking into the mirror to see the good, the bad, and the unknown of who we are. This is about how we relate to God. And everyone else. From Love That Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. 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 To the Enneacast. Hey, welcome to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. Every episode, we walk you through the Enneagram. And next week, we are actually going to be starting a brand new series about conflict resolution and the Enneagram. But today, we're actually going to do a prelude, something to get us started on that topic. Okay, I don't know if you've ever, Lindsay, like stumbled into a situation where you're like, I think I said something wrong. Like, I think yeah. I think I just said something to this person and they really, really didn't like it. Like, I'm thinking about this time that my uh, my wife was in a meeting with her boss and the boss is like unrolling this like new plan that they're going to do, this new vision. And she can just tell like her boss is anxious. Mm-hmm. So my wife, who is a six, she naturally thinks, oh, I, I wonder if my boss is afraid. Yeah. So she has a very close relationship with the boss. So she just raises her hand and she just goes, hey, uh, it seems like maybe like you're a little bit afraid right now. Mm. Uh, how are you feeling about all of this? And she said the boss... Like the whole demeanor changed. Like, like she a, stripped her down. A storm rolled over the room. Oh, yeah. No. So she takes her aside after that meeting and like reams her. And of course, the boss was an eight. Like, <gasps> and, and what Lindsay had, oh. what my wife had accidentally done is she had dropped the big F word mm-hmm. in the room, mm-hmm. which was fear. And you just like, you don't do that. You yeah. don't do that to an eight that, you know, is not in a place to receive it. And you don't do it in front of their subordinates. Yes, make them vulnerable in front of their yeah. whole team. She had completely just picked a fight and not even realized that she had done it. Oh, that's the worst. So that's what we're going to talk about today, how to pick a fight with each type. Lindsay, why is this topic important? Well, you know, we all deal with people every day and we get in so much trouble when we're walking around just in our own heads and not realizing how we affect the people around us. Mm -hmm. And so it's really helpful if we can use the Enneagram or really any tool in order to see people more clearly in order to love them better. So even if we're going to have a conflict, because we will, we will know how to better approach the different people in our lives. Yeah. Well, I think we need some help as we explore this. So to help us out, we've got a special guest with us, Nate Bebout. 
Nate is the pastor of Park Street Brethren Church in Ashland, Ohio. He's an Enneagram coach who does Enneagram consultations with people, churches, and companies. And he is the author of More Than a Number, How the Enneagram Reveals Your Unique Lens and Essential Place in the World. Welcome to the show, Nate. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and chat with you about how to annoy people. This sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I loved it. When I was reading your book, I, you know, I came across these little phrases you have in every chapter about how to pick a fight with each type. And I just thought like, what like an accurate but sort of whimsical way mm-hmm. to really explore, hey, listen, you're, you're dealing with sensitive stuff right now. Handle with care. Yeah. How did you come up with that idea? You know, um, one of the things that I love about the Enneagram is that people are really complicated, right? God has gifted us all with like a bunch of unique things. One of the things that I have always loved uh, about teaching the Enneagram is what's the thing that we avoid? What's the thing that each type makes a concerted effort not to do that thing? Mm -hmm. And when you're accused of the very thing that you so intentionally avoid, there's always a fight. There's always a reaction, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was just reflecting on my own life and the times that I have worked so hard to avoid doing a thing. And then somebody just flippantly accuses you of the thing. It's just Mm -hmm. like nothing enrages a person faster, right? Than, than being accused of doing the thing that you have worked so hard not to do. Yes. That's kind of where it all came from is to say, let's put some context onto this thing that we all avoid. Each type avoids certain activities or behaviors. How can we make that more concrete for people and say, okay, well, if you accuse them of doing that thing, you're probably going to get a reaction. Yeah. Right. Because really the rage that you're talking about is to cover up the pain of just, I'm trying so hard. Like that thing is so important to me and I'm so struck like that you would accuse me of that. You know, I've, I've totally experienced that before. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So let's do this. Let's actually go through each of the triads and we'll talk about how to pick a fight with each of the types. So to start things off, let's actually start with the heart triad. Just a reminder that these types primarily process the world through their emotions. So let's talk about uh, type two, the commonly known as the helper. So Nate, what are the fighting words for this type? So type twos, they're wanting to find belonging. And they do that by being incredible servants. Mm-hmm. So if you want to pick a fight with a type two, you could just say, you are really needy. You're clingy. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. You are self-centered. Yeah. yeah. You, you are monopolizing my time and you're not adding to my day. Like, because oh, the twos, gosh. as we all know, uh, they're working so hard to help everybody. They're mm-hmm. working so hard to minimize their needs so that they can be a helper and an and aid to those that they encounter. And so, yeah, just to kind of turn that around and accuse them of mm-hmm. not only minimizing their needs, but actually being clingy and needy and stuff, that would be so hard for them. Mm-hmm. When I first started at this church seven years ago, our administrative assistant is the best person I think I've ever met. Of course, she's a type two. Um, she's <laughs> yeah. so selfless and dedicated. I worked here two years before I realized that she had taken zero vacation days. Oh, <laughs> wow. yeah. And I was like, um, are you ever going to take a vacation? And I was like, well, you know, and then I realized I need to help you actually do this, you know, like, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell you sometime in the next month, I need you to take some time off. Mm-hmm. Um, and just giving that permission. So yeah, to take one of those people who we all experience in our lives to be so generous with their time and their energy and then to turn around and accuse them of being selfish or needy, that that would be really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And here's the sad thing, too, is though, like, 
twos, you guys do have needs like mm-hmm. everybody else. It's okay. It's good to have needs. It's good to have needs. But yeah, accusing a two of being selfish, it's on. Mm-hmm. Game on. You've also set them back in their journey of now they'll never take time off or they'll never right? have self-care or whatever because you just insulted them. Yeah. Right. Rather than encouraging them to listen to their needs, you're actually shaming them for saying yes. that they have needs. That's that's not a good look. We don't want to do that. Right. Right. Do you think that there are better words to use? Like, is there a way that it could be better received? Like, if you do need to go and confront certain aspects in a conversation with a type two, is there a better approach? Yeah. I think that if I was having some kind of issue with a type two and I felt like, yeah, maybe they were needing more than I can give in the moment, I might come along inside them and say, you know, um, you are constantly worrying about everybody else right now. And um, that means that that you have a lot of things that I could maybe help you with because you're so focused on everybody else. How can we figure this problem out? Maybe it's not Mm -hmm. me that's going to help you with this need. But if we can together figure out what the need is, maybe together we can figure out a solution uh, and help you get it. Mm, That is so kind. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's look at the type three, the achiever. What are the fighting words for this type? Basically, anytime you would accuse a type three of not contributing, of being Mm. a loser, of (laughs) not earning their keep, insinuating that they're not working hard or anything like that, that would set them off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking about like, uh, there's just so much, I don't know, identity that gets wrapped up in like, I achieve, mm-hmm. I generate, mm-hmm. I bring things into reality. And then when somebody just looks at you and just like, no, not really. Yeah. I'm very unimpressed by you. Like you you're know? kind of a quitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always think about the type three as the politician who wants to beat you in the primaries, but then have your vote in the general election. Right. <laughs> that's perfect. So that's different than what the type eight is doing. Right. So the, mm-hmm. the type three is they want to win you over. Yes. Um, and so one of the ways they do it, and incredible, in addition to being charming and often very, very efficient, one of the ways they win us over is by working really hard. Mm-hmm. It's not showy, but their success usually flows out of that hard work. So yeah, um, kind of attacking that sense of, do you have any work ethic at all? You know, mm-hmm. do you do oh, you even gosh. care how this looks to the world? You know, that those kinds of things uh, that would frustrate a three because those are the very things that they're working so hard to do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Do you think there are better words to use? Is there a way that it could be received better? I always want to start conversation with my friends who are type threes by affirming that I appreciate them, not their work, Mm -hmm. you know? And I know for them, like you just said earlier, Jesse, that they sometimes those things get enmeshed where it's like, what do you mean? I am my work. It, It reflects me. It reflects my character. But whenever you, you want to have a hard conversation with a three, I think that's one of the great things to, to separate, to say, actually, you, I appreciate and I love. And regardless of your performance, I, I really care about you. And out of that place, here's my concern. I'm concerned mm-hmm. about you, not whether or not you're going to you know, get more done next week and not what our performance indicators are going to tell us in a, in a month from now. But I'm, I'm actually wanting just to love on you in this moment. Let's identify some things maybe that could help you in your season right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm, that's good. That's good. Okay, type four, the originalist. What are the fighting words for this type? <laughs> you know, our type four friends, they work so hard at being different, unique, having a really interesting perspective on life. So anytime that you accuse them of being boring, vanilla, uninspired, mm. 
uh, just another sheep going through the motions. Um, that would definitely get a rise out of them because like we said before, they, their whole life is wrapped around being creative and different and seeing things uniquely. So any, any kind of assumption that they don't have any originality or individuality, that would get them going. Yes. I have talked to many parents who have children who are fours and like grown older children. And that idea of, can't you just go along to get along? And it's like, are you kidding? Are you asking me to sell out my identity and just be vanilla? Yeah, they do not. It does not go well. <laughs> you know what's you know what's interesting though is like I've heard from two separate fours mm-hmm. in the last couple of weeks. One of who said that one of the best things they ever heard in their counseling was "You're not that special," mm-hmm. and the other one said, "I just wish someone would look at me and remind me I'm very average." I and there's something about in the journey yes. as you get older where you're where the burden of always trying to be special, unique, different. Mm-hmm. You get older and you're just like, I'm getting too old for this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we talk about that in our healing messages, you know, that it's like actually what you want more than to be unique is to know that you're loved and appreciated for who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. don't have to keep spinning your wheels and letting your ego, you know, kind of rage. It's OK. Like you're still special, but you're not that special Uh you know it's like okay i can rest a little bit it's okay yeah so what would you say are some better words if you're going to address issues with a four i think that yeah affirming the unique contribution that a four always brings is a great place to start Mm -hmm. you know and even if maybe yeah this particular confrontation has to do with an idea that that you've heard before or seen before i think starting with that you know one of the reasons we love you around here is because you're always bringing new, you're always bringing new insights, new ideas. However, in this instance, yeah, maybe we do need something that's more predictable, or maybe uh, this idea that you're bringing, it's not the best thing you've had, but there's a lot of great things that we can find in the future if we continue Mm -hmm. to collaborate. So I think, yeah, just affirming that originality, that unique ideation that they always have uh, is a great place to start and find some common ground. Mm, That's good. That's good. Well, stay with us because when we come back, we're going to continue to explore how to pick a fight with each type with Nate Bebout. Stay with us. Hey, listeners, it's Anna, media editor. Here at Love Thy Neighborhood, we partner directly with local nonprofits right here in Louisville. Over the past seven years, our interns have provided over 130,000 work hours free of charge to local ministries. I'm Karen Arrow, and I am the director for Maya Collection. Maya Collection serves the refugee community here in Louisville by teaching and utilizing the crafting skills of refugee artisans to make handmade jewelry, crafts, and textiles. The money made from selling the products goes back to the artisans for them to support themselves and their families. What I always stress is we do this for God's glory and we share Jesus. We don't just help them make money and teach them skills. We also share Jesus with them. Karen told me why she enjoys having interns around. I love having fun and interns are fun. They're young, they're energetic, they have great ideas. I love listening to them. Um, So I learn from them, they learn from me. They have great hearts, they care about people. And sometimes what we do is very hard and exhausting. And I think having a good laugh at the end of the day is very important. (laughs) We have lots of laughs. If you want a hands-on experience of missions in our modern times, come serve with Love Thy Neighborhood. We offer internships for young adults ages 18 to 30. Through the areas of service, community, and discipleship, you'll grow in your faith and your life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. 
Welcome back to the IndieCast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. And we've been talking with Nate Bebout about how to pick a fight with each type. We've just wrapped up the heart triad, and we're now going to make our way into the head triad. So, Lindsay, where does that leave us? Well, the head triad are types 5, 6, and 7. Just a reminder, these folks primarily process their experiences through their minds. So let's go with type five, the investigator. What are the fighting words for this type? So I'm a type five, so I can personally mm. attest to these um, these insults would definitely get me to come up for air. Uh, anytime <laughs> a, a type five would, would hear the words like, basically, you fell for it. I tricked mm. you. I scammed you. You're not smart as me. And so I took advantage of you. You are some oh. kind of mark that I just totally played. Anything that would insult yeah, not only the intelligence, but the competence of a type mm-hmm. five, that would definitely frustrate those folks very, very much. Yeah. You know, not only the five is constantly doing all that information gathering, but the five is is anticipating people trying to take advantage. It's very interesting being uh, a pastor uh, as a type five, mm. because I have such a radar for man- emotional manipulation. You know, I want to be loving and gracious always, but you know, when there are times where I feel like this person is trying to manipulate me right now, <laughs> all mm-hmm. of my internal alarms go off. Uh, I'm I'm very sensitive to that. So yeah, I, anytime that you would be accused after the fact of like, ah, you didn't even see it coming. It's like, oh, oh man, yeah, that that's good yucky. because you talk. We talk about how the head triad, you know, is the fear triad. And a lot of times it's harder to see how that fear plays out in a five or the seven. You know, we see Mm -hmm. it more clearly with the six. So you just articulated that really well of that's that fear of that I'm in touch, that I'm wise, that I'm aware of my surroundings. But if that gets taken, you know, that that's the worst feeling. Yeah. I I don't like that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So what are the words you would like to hear? What would be some better words? I would want to say to another type five you know, hey, this situation's going on. You've made the best decisions you could with the information you have, but mm-hmm. maybe here's some variables you didn't consider. Mm-hmm. Let's think of this as a problem to solve together uh, and utilize some of those insights that you always bring uh, rather than working against those things. Yeah, and you're saying it too in like a, um, a very sort of soft and not accusatory way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm noticing like a lot of times the suggestions are like, Instead of coming at a person, you try to come alongside yes. a person and, uh, you know, you affirm them and then you say, hey, maybe there's some other things we can consider here. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about type six, the loyalist. So what are the fighting words for this type? Well, our friends who are sixes, you know, they work so hard to be faithful. You know, they want to be the best possible team player. So obviously, anytime that we would accuse them of betraying our trust mm-hmm. Uh, going against our ideals, and any time that we would say, you're not welcome here anymore. Mm. Because you failed this loyalty test that you know we made up, you actually don't belong anymore. That would be really, really devastating for yeah. a type six. Yeah. I always think of the head triad because they're after safety, right? Um, yeah. I always think of like, what would their strategies be in a zombie apocalypse? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and the type five is going to go loner. They're going to go rogue. They're going to mm-hmm. like learn all the flora and fauna and like mm-hmm. climb into a tree and wear camouflage, you know, like very like lone wolf style. And the type six is going to clan up. They, they yeah. have to, they, they're yeah. going to find people that they are going to defend and protect. And so, yeah, the idea 
of them getting kicked out of that group and then out into that zombie world is terrifying for them. Yeah. This sounds like a whole other episode that we need to do with you. Right, <laughs> the, right. The Enneagram goes zombie apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think are better ways to approach addressing these issues with a type six? The type six, what you're going to want to say, yeah, obviously at the beginning is you're a great team player and you belong here. Mm. And the way that you're going to make this team better is by making these adjustments, right? So we've got your back and for the good of us all, we would really appreciate these adjustments because mm. that way the whole the whole team's going to be stronger, not just you. Mm, that's that's good. really good. What I'm noticing about each of these that really just sticks out to me is the kindness. Mm-hmm. A lot of these words, if you said them to anyone, they would stink, you know, they would especially affect the certain number. But for all of them, you're generating so much kindness. You know, we're like making room for the person to be a person. Mm -hmm. So we're saying it's not just about the problem. It's not just about how I feel or this delay in the project or the bottom line financially. We're saying, I see you as a person. You're valuable to me as a person. Hey, and now let's also confront this conflict and move on. Yeah. I'm just struck by if we were doing that in our everyday lives all the time, mm-hmm. how different we would look. Mm-hmm. All right. So number seven, the enthusiast. What are the fighting words for that type? <laughs> oh, buckle up, type sevens. You know, this sounds like bad news. I'm skipping this part. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are really boring. Mm-hmm. You're a drag All you want to do is talk about serious stuff. You're never any fun. Um, Every time I'm around you, my energy is depleted. Uh, I wish that you would just zazz up a little bit. Anything along those lines would probably... I love using the word zazz as a verb. Um, Yeah, especially with a seven, yeah. What do you think are better words for this uh, if you're going to approach a conversation with a type seven? I think just affirming their energy and and their fun while saying, you know, maybe that energy that you normally are able to to just kind of call up on a whim uh maybe you just haven't been bringing it in mm. in this area and and what why is that is there something that's blocking is is there something that's preventing you from tackling this with your normal zest and your normal excitement mm-hmm. uh because this is abnormal for you you're you're normally just so full of life but this area seems like it's a little bit dull so what can we do to help bring back some of the excitement for you Mm-hmm. I like how you phrased it there, too, because I, the flip side is sevens feel all this pressure mm-hmm. to be the joy generators. Yeah. And the reality is that especially a healthy seven, they're going to feel sad. They're going to mm-hmm. they're going to feel tired. They're going to have seasons where, you know, things aren't going great. And this leaves room for that. Hey, I've noticed. Mm-hmm. But you've got these gifts. How can we come alongside mm-hmm. you to, you know, help with that? Absolutely. Okay, so that's the head triad. So now we come to the body triad, types 8, 9, and 1. So just a reminder that these types primarily process the world through their bodies using their instincts. Okay, so let's start with type 8, the protector. What are the fighting words for this type? Really, any words will get a type 8 to fight with you. Um, (laughs) Hi, good morning. (laughs) Joking, joking, joking. Please don't email me. Um, No, anytime that you would basically call them weak or timid or insinuate that they are not strong enough to deal Mm -hmm. with the pressure. Our eights that we love so much, they are working so hard never to show weakness, never to have a crack in the armor. They're the strong ones. 
they're holding it together. Uh, and they think anytime that they expose and, and show maybe that they are a little bit overwhelmed, that they feel like that's the crack that is going to open up and everyone's going to, you know, use it to, to work against them basically. So yeah, accusing an eight of, of anything like that, that you, yeah, you'll get some fireworks mm -hmm. out of that. Mm -hmm. I was watching a show recently and there was a type A archetype character and this other character came up to him and whispered in his ear, you think the rest of us don't see how scared and weak you are, but we all know we're all lying to you when we tell you that you're strong. Oh my we gosh. all know the truth. Oh, and, and then like, uh, I think like the next episode, that type A just murdered everyone. <laughs> so oh it, was like, it was like, okay, <laughs> less lesson learned. Don't, don't do that don't one. Do that. Don't do that one. Okay. Well, now we need to know some better words after that example. So how can we better approach an eight? <laughs> I think what I would do with a type eight, you, you know, you know, the rules of engagement with a type eight, you have to be direct. Mm -hmm. um, but you also have to just state facts, you know, with a type eight is like, Hey, here's the problem. We've got this issue. How can we address it? You know, obviously letting them know we're, we're in this together. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm happy to, to be a partner with you. I don't want to be an obstacle to you. I don't want to get in your way, but this thing needs to change. Uh, so what do you think we can do to alleviate the problem? Uh, you know, I think especially with type eights, because they're so used to taking initiative just by putting it on their radar, they're going to want to solve and, and tackle and, and, and beat this issue. So mm -hmm. yeah, just being direct, concise, and supportive, I think is always the right thing to do with a type eight. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Type nine, the peacemaker. What are the fighting words for this type and how could we get them to fight? <laughs> <laughs> I think a nine would fight eventually if you back them into a small enough corner. Uh, but I don't think people would like what they would see when, when the claws finally came out. Mm -hmm. Um, Accusing a nine of being a bully, an instigator, mm. someone who bosses people around, that would hurt them so much because they're working so hard. Like we said with some of these other types, they're working so hard to establish harmony and to radiate, you know, uh, safe places that, that people can exist without judgment. Uh, and so to turn the table on them and accuse them of being kind of an unsupportive jerk, uh, mm -hmm. that would definitely hurt. Yeah. Or like self-serving, like selfish Mm -hmm. So what are some better words for approaching, uh, you know, sensitive issues with this type? I think that nines are so in tune with when things are not right. Just naming it and putting it in front of them is, is a great first step to say, hey, there's been some tension. I'm sure you've noticed it uh, because you're so great at noticing when things aren't right. And the tension is around this thing you know, what if we did this? What do you, what do you think? Uh, of course, you know, the issue with the nine and their, their ninja power is they deflate conflict by kind of just, uh, okay, yeah, that's fine, whatever you want, or, mm -hmm. you know, and then they won't do it later uh, if they really don't want to. So getting them to stay in the conflict is actually going to be the trick mm -hmm. uh, because they're, they're going to want to, as soon as the conversation turns into we're having a disagreement, all of their superpowers to kind of like, tamp down the tension are going to start coming in automatically. They're just going to automatically try to start soothing and try to start accommodating. And while in the short term, you might be like, yes, problem solved. Uh, if you've been in a relationship with a nine and you care about this person, uh, you need to know that maybe actually that's not the, the answer long term, that mm -hmm. just that getting them to say, yes, whatever you want is not actually the right thing. I need them to tell me, what is it that you need in this situation? What, what would you like to see? Um, and then how can we figure out a way for us to sustain that together and you're not just left holding 
the sole responsibility for making sure everything is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I find myself saying, nope, you don't have to say sorry. Let's just figure out how we're going to go forward. That's good. Okay, type one, the reformer. What are the fighting words for this type? Type ones work so hard to follow the rules, to do things the right way the first time. So any kind of accusation uh, that they uh, broke the rules, that they took a shortcut, that they are immoral, unprincipled, um, that they are just kind of trying to cheat or trick us, that, that would really frustrate them. Mm-hmm. So my funny story, my wife is a high, high type one. And when our daughter Rosie was first born, like I think she was three months old, we went out to dinner at a restaurant and it was very cold. And we have Rosie in the car seat, you know, with the gloves and the hat and the thing. It takes you 15 minutes to get everything on. Mm-hmm. And we go into the restaurant and we have a lovely meal uh, and it's time to leave. And I had found this amazing parking spot right in front of the restaurant. Like it was two steps in from the front door. We're getting ready to leave and we've got everything bundled up. And she goes, oh no, I don't have mittens on Rosie. And I'm like, sweetheart, the car is two feet away. I don't want to have to (laughs) unbuckle everything and wrestle the mittens on. Can we just like, come on, like it's, it's two steps. If we're getting the car, we'll get the car warmed up. And my wife, okay, that's fine. And so we open the door of the restaurant. My wife walks out and some guy, random guy, just walking by, looks over and goes, Get some mittens on that kid. (laughs) (laughs) And then she murdered him. Uh, I had to. Or you. No, I had to bury his body. Uh, It's a a terrible secret I've been carrying for all these years. Uh, My wife was enraged. Oh my gosh. Um, So yeah, that was that. That was that. Like, you just insult, like, of course, I always do the right thing. But this mm-hmm. one time I didn't. Of course, you saw it. You know? <laughs> and that's why I always do the right thing. Yes. That's right. Oh, my gosh. What are better words? If you're going to approach uh, conflict with this type, what, what, what are better words? I think it's that, yeah, that reaffirmation. You always do things way above board. You are always the person that is quality control. I want you to start taking some of that energy and applying it to this problem because this one isn't working for us right now. Uh, this approach that we've, we've chosen, it's not getting us the results that we want. And so because I know you care about things being right, let's make sure that this is right so we can move forward together. Mm, yeah, that's good. great. Well, those are some of the key themes you're going to want to be very careful with as you engage conflict with each of the types. So use this information to love others. Do not weaponize it to hurt people or be cruel. Like we did not tell you these phrases so mm-hmm. you could then go use these phrases as weapons against other folks. When you tread into this territory, it's important to realize that you are in a tender and often unhealed part of a person's heart. So being reckless with your words, especially words that are especially piercing to each type, it can do serious damage. So approach with caution, with kindness, and keep your gloves on. Do not (laughs) hit below the belt. (laughs) All right, well, don't go anywhere, because when we come back, we will be playing Super Fight with Nate Bebout. Stay with us. Here at LTN, we believe that in order to be loved, you must be known. And part of being known means understanding who you are which is why we created Mapping Your Enneagram Story. Mapping Your Enneagram Story is a workbook to help you map your life story and understand who you are. Using the lens of the Enneagram, you'll explore how the story you've lived has made you into who you are 
and why Jesus is the key to living a better story. To get your own copy of Mapping Your Enneagram Story, just go to lovethatneighborhood.org and click the store link at the top of the menu. There you'll find Mapping Your Enneagram Story plus all our other Enneagram content. And all proceeds go directly to support Love Thy Neighborhood. So go to lovethatneighborhood.org and click store. Mapping Your Enneagram Story. Find the clarity you need to have meaningful, long-lasting relationships. Welcome back to the Enneacast, Jesse Eubanks. Lindsay Lewis. And now it's time for Super Fight. Our game today is called Super Fight. So, Nate, here's how it works. For each round, Lindsay and I will each be given a random Enneagram type, and that type will be our fighter. Uh, We will Mm. then also be given one random attribute for our fighter. For example, we might get a type 1 who has X-ray vision. Once we have our fighters, Lindsay and I will each get a turn to convince you why we think our fighter would win in a real fight. But then it's going to be up to you to declare who the winner is. Whoever wins the round gets a point. We're going to play three rounds. Are you both ready to play? Ready. I am ready. Okay. Lindsay, I will let you go first. Round one. Okay. I have a type eight who is distracted by shiny things. (laughs) Okay, I have a type nine uh, who can hold their breath forever, (laughs) forever. All right. Forever. So, Lindsay, you can go first to convince Nate. First of all, let me say I have a type eight. Yeah. The end. (laughs) (laughs) But this type eight, you might think that it is a detriment to be distracted by shiny things, but this type eight has worked with their coach to make shiny things actually a trigger for special moves. So every time there is a shiny thing flashed in the arena, it has a special ninja move that it does to always win against its opponent. Something in there feels apocryphal, but I can't tell what it is. Like you (laughs) added a little something extra in there. I can't, I can't put my finger on it. Well, uh, you're type eight who's distracted by shiny things, mm-hmm. you know. Or motivated by whichever you want to say. Uh, I'm going to say distracted <laughs> by it uh, because that's literally what uh, the card says. Uh, um, you know, I got a type nine, can hold their breath forever. Let me tell you one thing. Mm-hmm. If you know a nine, you know this. They can wait you out. True. And so, yeah, uh, so the eight can swing all they want to. That nine will go to the bottom of the ocean and take a nap. And literally let the world, <laughs> let the world just grow over. That eight will be long dead. And that night, that nine will finally wake up, come up to the surface, and the problem will be gone. But you know what? That, that eight went to its grave thinking it won. Yeah, but they were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and they were wrong. <laughs> okay, so Nate, round one, who is the winner? The winner of round one is the type nine who can hold their breath forever. No, yes, no, yes, no, no. yes. Oh, come yeah. on. No, nope. because Lindsay, you know your husband is agreeing. Nope. Yeah. The nines have all the rage that type eights have. They just bottle it up. So eights are constantly, you know, expressing their anger. Nines are always repressing their anger. Yeah. So it's there. Um, and so yeah, you give them you give them the ability to hold their breath forever. Yeah, they're just gonna wait on, you know, the top of Mount Everest with a sniper rifle. So I don't know what they're gonna do with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, round one. 
point to me. Point to you. Round two. I'll, I'll go first yes. on this one. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have a type four <laughs> who can turn invisible while singing show tunes. I need clarity on this. Does does it inevitably turn invisible when it sings show tunes or it is invisible and then the show tunes come? No, no, no. Like, what's the sequence like, uh, here? This type four has got to sing show tunes and as they're singing, whoop, they, they disappear. disappear. So they're, like, they're in the arena and yeah. it's like they're singing and then they disappear. Yes. But they're singing, so we can still know where they are. Maybe. Okay. Just I was just checking. <laughs> uh, what do you have? I have a type one that is 10 feet tall. This feels a little on the nose for you and I. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. You're a type one. I'm a type four. Am I four. 10 feet tall? <laughs> I am shorter than you. You are. <laughs> you BMS 10 feet tall. <laughs> yes. Yes. Gosh, look at that, Lindsay. She's so tall. She's so tall. Okay, so here's the deal. Yeah, you know, I, you know, a type four who can turn mm-hmm. invisible. You're like way up. Look how tall you are, dude. Ten mm-hmm. feet tall. Mm-hmm. You're looking down. You can't figure out where the music is coming from. Mm. All you know is you keep getting kicked in the shins repeatedly <laughs> by this this tiny singing something. Uh, and uh, yeah, over over time, basically, you're moving too slow. You're too big. You're too slow. Mm. And you know. Tiny singing me is <laughs> taking you down. You. Okay. Okay. I feel that. Well, the type one who is 10 feet tall, yeah. you know, even though I can't see you, I can hear your voice. And I could tell you that it's just so unoriginal. And I could oh, say, no. Oh, no. are the songs that you're singing, could they be any more boring? Oh, my gosh. Could it be any more plain? <laughs> Do you have anything original to see? You brought a shank to this podcast studio. (laughs) And then you would try to start singing your own original music. Uh And then you would not be an invisible anymore. And then I would just take you out with one hit of my giant fist. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm. Okay, Nate, (laughs) round two. Round two, the winner is the type one who is 10 feet tall. Yes. I'm going to affirm that one. That was, (laughs) you earned that. Thank you. That was a good one. That was Type a good ones one. are already slightly homicidal, um, <laughs> <laughs> just because they're so frustrated that everybody they else isn't are. doing what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, so yeah, just like doubling them in size and setting them loose with a, a an invisible singer. I don't think stop singing and get to it. It's <laughs> great. Oh my gosh! All right, so round two, one point it's to one you. One to one. Okay, oh, round three, the deciding round. Lindsay, go ahead. All right. I have a type six who has a limitless supply of tacos. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's... I have a type three who really has to pee. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, type six, you know, they can really get into that counterphobic space mm-hmm. and go really full out rage. And if you have to pee, it would just be one good sucker punch to the belly mm-hmm. and you'd be pretty much out of there. Mm-hmm. And then they would just eat tacos. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, let me explain something to you Uh-oh. about a type three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, type threes, especially type threes that are on a short deadline, <laughs> uh, they are the most efficient that you can imagine. They're they literally... the most efficient pee holders. Yeah. No, they're going to look at you. <laughs> They're going to zero in on what it's going to take to get the job done mm. so that they can just take mm-hmm. care of it, be done, and go use the restroom. So a type mm. three who has to pee, 
is your end because mm-hmm. that one is going to knock it out, going to shank you and get out. Nope. Mm-mm. All right, wow. round three, Nate. Wow. The winner is the Type 6 with the limitless supply Woo! of tacos. Nobody can resist a taco. Now, you were totally right, Jesse. I was thinking that. I was like, oh, they're going to be efficient. They're going to get yeah. it done. Yeah. But I was thinking the Type 6 would just say to all of their many, many friends who have their back, help me if out. you help me pe- beat this guy up, I'll give you four tacos each. Yeah, it would be like Braveheart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> with tacos. With tacos. With gorditas. Yeah. <laughs> get it! <laughs> you know, they may take your life, but they won't take our tacos. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end. That's a wrap. <laughs> uh, well, congratulations, Lindsay. You yes, won this one. My first one of the season. It was great. You did yeah. great. All right. And now it's time for five final questions. All right. Number one, who are two people you currently admire and no biblical characters are allowed? (laughs) Okay. The first person I admire, I think about this person all the time. In our church, we have a uh, 94-year-old lady who I just love. She's on my Mount Rushmore of faith. And uh, she was our church's former organist. Mm -hmm. And we have just gone through a huge, you know, uh, renovation of our campus and stuff. And we're now worshiping in a space that doesn't even have an organ anymore. Mm -hmm. And she was one of the biggest supporters of the project. Uh, And so I just, I love this one. I love how selfless she is. I love how committed she is to not demanding her own way, but to seeing others flourish. Mm, That's lovely. That is. Our number two. The other one I thought of, John Mark Comer is a pastor. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I really appreciate about right, him right now is he's just released just an incredible book called Live No Lies. I am uh, currently reading it. I have it's it great. Too. It's so good. And uh, his response to what I'm sure is like another huge successful book is he's going on sabbatical and he has stepped down as the lead pastor of their church to to lift somebody else up. And I just think Oh, I love that. I love, mm-hmm. you know, at the height of what the world would say is your impact is your willingness to hand it over and step out of the limelight so that you can make sure that you're still connecting with Jesus, you're resting and that you're not chasing, you know, the the systems of the world, but rather you're trusting the Lord to mm-hmm. sustain you. So right now I'm just so appreciative of that move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Number two, how do you like to waste time? I have... um a growing church and I have four small children, so I don't have time to waste. Um, but uh, I, I, I love science fiction. That's mm. if I get a couple minutes on my own, I want to read something very nerdy, something to do with, you know, war in space, um, <laughs> something to do with the threat of aliens mutating and invading our planet without our knowledge. That's what I like. Love That's it. Awesome. I love it. All right. What is on your nightstand right now? Uh, on my nightstand right now is a white noise machine uh, mm-hmm. because I am an infant and I can't sleep in silence. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is a massage gun uh, because I am training to run a marathon and uh, I need help. I'm getting older and I need help <laughs> to, to loosen my leg muscles. Uh, everything hurts. So that I use that almost every night. That's awesome. That's good. It's good. Your nightstand sounds like mine. It's mm-hmm. the nightstand of someone middle-aged. Yes. Um, <laughs> That's right. Okay. Number four, what is an important lesson that you have learned from failing? One of the lessons I've definitely learned the hard way as someone who uh, 
is very high in type five strategies is sometimes it's more important to be decisive than to gather more data. I have definitely done the latter a lot, you know, where I keep pushing off an important decision because I think, ah, if I just had a little bit more information, mm-hmm. then I would be able to make the, the perfect choice or then I would be able to really make the most informed decision. But sometimes just making the decision is the right thing. With what you know now, you need to make a decision now. And so unfortunately, I've learned that the hard way that sometimes just make a call, you know, it might not be the right one, but you did the best you could in the moment. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. All right. Number five, what would you like to hear God say to you when you die? Oh, wow. Um, I, um, what I would love to hear God say when I die is even when you failed, you made me laugh. Mm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, one of the things you know, that I experience every day with my, my, my kids that are small is even their mistakes. I find adorable, you Mm -hmm. know, even their, even their earnest attempts that fall flat on their face. I'm like, there's still joy in that. And so I would love, um, the Lord to see my life as a earnest attempt at following him. And the times where I fell flat on my face, at least he was able to laugh. Mm. I love that. It's a beautiful picture. Well, Nate, thanks so much for your time yes. today and for just your 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 wonderful thoughts just around conflict, conflict resolution, how to better approach conflict with people. Um, we've just really enjoyed our time with you. I've had a blast. You guys are awesome. If you've benefited at all from this podcast, please help us out by leaving a review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Your review will help other people discover our show. Thanks to our special guest today, Nate Bebout. Head over to Nate's website at EnneagramAssessment.com. There you can hire Nate for private or group Enneagram consultations and also take an Enneagram test. Nate's test produces one of the best visual reports that I have seen. You can also pick up his book, More Than a Number. Again, you can find all of that and more at EnneagramAssessment.com. Also, a special thanks to our friends at Crosspoint Ministry who help train us in the Enneagram. You can check them out at crosspointministry.com. This show is brought to you by Love Thy Neighborhood. We provide internships focused on service, community, and discipleship for young adults ages 18 to 30. Serve for a summer or a year. Grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. This episode was written by Lindsay Lewis and myself. Rachel Zabo is our media director and producer. Anna Tran is our audio engineer. Music for today's episode comes from Murphy DX. I'm Lindsay Lewis. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community.